Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Nation. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 87. Before I begin, I want to remind listeners that next week, The Cantankerous Catholic will air a much-anticipated interview with Father James Altman. Be sure to tune in. This year's presidential election is clearly the most important one in my lifetime, and that goes all the way back to Eisenhower. As Catholics, we all want to vote according to God's holy will, so we have to be able to know His will. Unfortunately, many modern Catholics vote by emotion rather than logic and right reason, and in that way they think they're voting their conscience. You can never depend on your emotions when making decisions, though. Emotions will always, always, 100% of the time, betray you. God gave you emotions, but they're subordinate to your divinely given intellect, and intellect is what you exercise to use logic and reason. Is God a Democrat? Most certainly not. The Democratic Party is plainly in league with the devil, as I've shown on the Cantankerous Catholic before, and I'll probably show that again in this episode. Is God a Republican? No, he's not a Republican either. Sorry to disappoint some of you. He's probably not much happier with the Republicans than he is the Democrats. Then what is God politically, and how can we know his will when it comes time to enter the voting booth? Well, believe it or not, we can know God's will without even asking him, because he's already told us, and that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. I usually promote one of my books here, but from now on until the election, I'm going to run this. I have absolutely no doubt that President Trump will win re-election in a landslide victory on November the 3rd. However, and I pray I'm wrong, on November 4th we'll see a level of violence that hasn't been seen in America since the Civil War in 1861. Certainly we need to pray for God's mercy and protection, but we must also prepare. I'm begging you to spend the month of October building up your food reserves. If I'm right about the violence, it may be weeks before you'll be able to shop for any essentials, especially food. Be cautious, stay safe, and pray a lot. What are God's politics? The Church teaches us that if, after responsibly informing ourselves of the political issues and candidates, we discover that a candidate is an enemy of religion or of the common good, it could be a sin to vote for that candidate. Such a vote could equate to voluntary participation in that candidate's evil. So what we have to figure out is whether either candidate in the 2020 presidential race is an enemy of religion or of the common good. I don't know if Joe Biden's an enemy of religion. Yeah, a case could certainly be made that he is, because his party most certainly is. But I can't say definitively that he is. After all, he's made it clear that he's just an empty shirt who will say or do anything to be elected. And we know definitively that Donald Trump is not an enemy of religion, despite that he appears not to be particularly religious himself. 
After all, he's been an ardent defender of religious freedom, especially for Christians and Jews. Is Biden or Trump an enemy of the common good? The only way we can determine that is to ask God himself. And as I stated before the commercial, he's already answered that for us. It's not in the Bible nor the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In fact, God answered our question long before a single word of the Bible was ever written. His answer can be found in creation. Now, I'm about to get a little academic on you. I hope you don't get bored with the brief academics, but this is necessary for you to be able to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what God expects of you in the voting booth. The laws of nature apply to every created thing there is. In the animal world, we humans are separated from other animals by two key faculties, intellect and free will. When a dog decides to do something, it's not using its intellect to freely choose whatever it is that it's doing. A dog makes the decision on the basis of experimental knowledge and instinct. Every animal does that. I have two acres here in rural Missouri where I live, and most of it's wooded. I spend time every day on our back deck in my wheelchair watching wildlife, and we have a lot of it. I see deer, coyotes, squirrels, rabbits, hawks, eagles, groundhogs, foxes, and the occasional very unwelcome skunk. I even see possums and armadillos, which are really just possums on the half shell anyway. I pay close attention to the behavior of these animals. These are all wild animals. There isn't a tamed one among them. Yet they all come out of the woods onto my land and into my yard, and they do so completely unafraid. In fact, they graze or forage in the grass mere feet away from our deck. Why? Because they know from experimental knowledge that they aren't in any danger from anyone in this house. On the other hand, instinct warns them of one another. For example, I've never seen a coyote or fox out here at the same time I see a rabbit, squirrel, or groundhog, because instinct tells the coyote and fox that these other animals are their food. These natural enemies instinctively know that they're to fear or prey on one another, yet through experimental knowledge they have no fear of the fat guy sitting in a wheelchair who's at the top of the food chain just a few feet away. All creatures live by the laws of nature, the law that's in their DNA. They never violate these laws. For example, I've never seen a rabbit attack a squirrel and eat him for lunch. That would definitely violate the rabbit's nature. Indeed, I watch squirrels forage and rabbits graze near each other without any sort of alarm or fear. We humans are subject to the laws of nature as well. The big difference for us is we have something the animals don't, intellect and free will, and that's what gets us into trouble. When we violate the laws of nature, there are always dire consequences to us and society. You see, the laws of nature are what give us a moral code because of our intellect. Divine law almost always comes from natural law. In a country like America, you may think our moral code comes from the religious foundation of our country, but it doesn't. During the 19th and 20th centuries, when the world was still being explored, archaeological anthropologists discovered indigenous peoples who already had strict moral codes in place, and they'd never heard of Jesus Christ or God the Father. Why? 
because through natural law, they intuitively knew that it was wrong to lie, wrong to steal, wrong to unjustly take a human life, and wrong to do other things that violate our nature. The point to all this is, God expects us to vote in this presidential election according to laws of nature that are ingrained into us. Sadly, both Biden and Trump believe in violating natural law. Since we have to elect a president, because all Catholics have a moral obligation to vote, we have the obligation to elect the one who least promotes violations of natural law. Let's look at Trump first. Does he violate natural law? Well, he promotes, or at least isn't bothered by, homosexuality. Every animal has a male and female in the species. The reason for that is so the species can perpetuate itself. When sexual intercourse is engaged in where there's no chance of perpetuating the species, it's a violation of nature. Two people of the same sex can't make a baby. That's why homosexuality is wrong. In fact, that's why artificial contraception is wrong. And the consequences of homosexuality and artificial contraception are many. Because we've allowed the practices of homosexuality and contraception for so long, we don't produce enough children to perpetuate our species, culture, and society. That's just one of several consequences of homosexuality and artificial contraception. Most of the six-pack nation is between the ages of 18 and 34. I hope you folks love your jobs and can do them when you're in your 90s, because with the incredibly low birth rate in this country, you won't be able to retire. Hey, just stay in good health. As far as Biden is concerned, he's all in for homosexuality and artificial contraception. He's into homosexuality so far that he thinks there are 37 genders, right along with all the other woke people. That's one I still can't begin to understand. And artificial contraception? He even wants the little sisters of the poor to make contraception available to their employees, despite their deeply held Orthodox Catholic religious convictions. Another big thing in this year's election is socialism versus capitalism. That's a no-brainer for a Catholic. The Church has condemned the concept of socialism from the very first century, and that concept by the name of socialism for several hundred years. My favorite papal condemnation of socialism comes from Pope Pius XI in 1931. Quote, No one can be at the same time a sincere Catholic and a true socialist. End quote. Even the contemporary popes St. John Paul II and Benedict XVI condemned socialism. Pope Francis appears to be a socialist himself, but we've had heretical popes before. But those are just economic systems. Does it say anywhere in the Bible, thou shalt not have socialism? Of course not. Then why does the church condemn it? The very nature of socialism violates natural law. First, you have a right to benefit from the fruits of your labor. On the other hand, you have an obligation to assist your fellow man in his needs so far as you are able. But government has no right to take the fruits of your labors away from you and give them to those who lack what you work for. In the end, everybody ends up equally poor, except for the ruling class, and nobody benefits. Socialism is nothing more than theft by the government. 
Another thing we know from nature is that life is sacred. In the animal kingdom, no animal kills simply to kill, nor do they kill out of anger or from emotion. The only times an animal kills are for food, self-defense, or when it feels threatened. That's how natural law governs regarding life. When humans take a human life, the only acceptable reasons in nature are self-defense, protecting another person, and in the use of force to stop an unjust aggressor. Abortion doesn't meet any of these criteria because the life of a pre-born infant is innocent. Some proponents of abortion who are at least cognizant of natural law justify abortion by saying that a pregnancy is an unjust aggression, but that is saying that the baby in the womb is guilty of something beyond his or her control. That's just plain stupid. Equality among people is equally stupid. Is a wolf equal to a cow? Is a coyote equal to a rabbit? Humans aren't equal either. If they were, everyone would be born absolutely identical. Some people are born with an IQ of 140, while others are born with an IQ of 90. Some are born with four perfectly formed limbs, while others may lack one or more limbs. Do we treat these people equally? Should we? No. The less fortunate have to be given extra consideration. That's not equality. This applies to the races as well. Racism is always evil because we're all created in the image and likeness of God. But that doesn't mean one race should be given special consideration over another. If no one had skin, we'd never be able to tell one race from another. Of the two presidential candidates, only Biden has made numerous racial slurs and racial blunders. Of course, the fascist lamestream media constantly accuse Trump of racism, but they can't point to a single instance of him being racist. Instead, they lie and twist his words to make Trump appear racist. And I think people who doubt this should take four minutes to listen to the NFL great Herschel Walker's short testimony at the Republican National Convention. Another Marxist claim among Democrats regarding equality is their promotion of equality among the sexes. Newsflash, men and women aren't equal now, they never have been, and they never will be. A mere glance at a man and a woman makes it apparent they're different. Men can have babies, women can. Women, generally speaking, don't have the physical prowess of men. Of course, many of the things that women can do physically aren't possible for men. The sexes aren't equal, and both presidential candidates fail miserably on this aspect of natural law by claiming that they are. Still, this isn't a game changer. The final straw to break the camel's back for Catholics not being able to vote Democrat, which most certainly includes bad Catholic Joe Biden, can be found in their complete opposition to Catholic morality. I want to read 10 statements from official documents, found both online and hard copy, for your consideration. Then we'll discuss the positions. 1. Our philosophy supports strict separation of church and state rather than a complete morass of religious pluralism. 2. We sanction any fetish or deviation which will enhance your sex life so long as it involves no one who does not wish to be involved. 3. 
The struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. 4. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. 5. If churches were taxed for all their income and property, the national debt would be wiped out completely. 6. Consistent with our tenets, which call for bodily autonomy and acting in accordance with best scientific evidence, we object to many of the restrictions that states have enacted that interfere with abortion access. 7. We fully accept all forms of human sexual expression between consenting adults. 8. We support the legalization of gay marriage. 9. We have supported transgenderism since 1966. 10. Homosexuality is promoted as the norm in society, not the exception. Who do you think these statements come from? Democrats are very public and aggressively assertive in the promotion of these 10 statements, so they sound like they came from the Democratic Party, don't they? Well, if you think they're from the Democratic Party platform, think again. All ten of the statements I just read to you aren't from the Democratic Party platform, but rather from the various satanic religions and their adherents. Groups such as the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple have made the ten statements I just read, and many of them were written before the Democratic Party ever embraced these ideologies. Indeed, some of these statements are verbatim copied in the Democratic Party platform. If you're a Catholic, it's implied that you believe in God. Otherwise, why be a Catholic? If you believe in God, by necessity you have to believe in his enemy, Satan. In any universe, can you at the same time be a Catholic and a devotee of Satan? No, you can't, but voting for Biden or any other Democrat automatically puts you in league with the devil through your vote. Don't condemn your soul with a bad vote when God's already told you the right way to vote. Tired of false or confusing doctrine? Want to learn or teach the Catholic faith of our fathers without dilution or compromise? Then it's time for Tradivox. Tradivox is a Catholic nonprofit working with Bishop Athanasius Schneider to restore the perennial catechism of the Catholic Church. Scores of official catechisms from across the last millennium are being harnessed in an amazing new platform for teaching the faith today. Learn more and support this much-needed project at www.tradivox.com. Tradivox, giving voice to tradition. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. American First Lady Melania Trump dedicated a rose to St. John Paul II in the newly redesigned White House Rose Garden in honor of the Pope's 1979 visit. Amazing! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to Catholic News Agency. 
the Supreme Court's ruling on ministerial exceptions should encourage Catholic schools expecting teachers to live out church doctrine on matters of sexual morality, two religious liberty lawyers suggested. Oh, yeah. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic, Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to LifeSite News. With pastors from areas such as Kentucky and Florida reporting mass attendance numbers well below now reduced church capacity, the role of faith and fear in the life of American Catholics is becoming increasingly clear. <laughs> you can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic, Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to Washington Examiner. A new Pew Research poll found that 73% of Americans want to either keep police funding at current levels or increase it. Most respondents also favored rolling back the legal protection of qualified immunity for police officers. That's what I'm talking about! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to Catholic News Agency. The Archdiocese in New York announced plans to close 20 schools and merge three others because of the financial impact of the coronavirus. I've kept a hopeful eye on our schools throughout this saga, and my prayers are with all of the children and their families who will be affected by this sad news, said Cardinal Timothy Dolan. Approximately 2,500 students and 350 staff will be affected. No, 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 no! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholicism 101 is the segment where Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, gives you little thumbnail lessons to help you better learn and understand the Catholic faith. Here's this week's Catholicism 101. I fully expect non-Catholics to be void of any understanding regarding the sacrament of confirmation, but when my fellow Catholics are at a loss to explain what it is and what it does, I'm just a wee bit perplexed. Unfortunately, that seems to be the case, so we'll focus this week on what is, to my way of thinking, one of the most exciting aspects of Catholicism. Confirmation is a sacrament instituted by Christ that makes baptized persons more perfectly bound to the church and enriched with a special strength of the Holy Spirit, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Hence, baptized persons are true witnesses of Christ more strictly obliged to spread and defend the faith by word and deed. Confirmation increases sanctifying grace, thus making us more holy. It also increases the supernatural virtues and gives us an increase of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Confirmation also imprints on our soul an indelible spiritual character, and for this reason can't be repeated. Best of all, it enables us to courageously profess our faith even under the threat of death. Indeed, without confirmation, there would be far fewer martyrs in the church's glorious history. At the time of Emperor Galenus in AD 264, a Roman soldier named Marinus was about to be promoted to a high rank when some jealous fellow soldiers denounced him as a Christian. The emperor asked him if the charge was true. 
Marius admitted that he was a Christian, so the emperor promised that his promotion would stand if he gave up the Christian faith. Otherwise, he must die. He gave Marinus three hours to decide. Marinus went to the bishop who had only recently baptized him. The bishop then and there laid hands on Marinus and the sacrament of confirmation to strengthen him with the Holy Spirit. Afterward, he put before him a sword and a book of the Gospels and said, Make your choice. Without hesitation, Marinus chose the Gospels, then went back to meet his martyrdom and heavenly reward. This true story aptly demonstrates the power of confirmation, but many non-Catholics claim it's an invention of the Catholic Church because it's not mentioned in the Bible. Well, actually it is. Although it's not called confirmation in the Bible, we clearly see it in use by the apostles in the historical books of the New Testament. Christ promised that those who believed in him would receive the Holy Spirit in John 7, verses 37 through 39, chapter 14, 16, 15, 26, and 16, 7. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost in Acts 2, 4, and St. Peter declared that the Pentecostal gift was intended for all Christians in Acts 2, 38. The apostles imparted the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands, a sacramental rite distinct from baptism, as the Samaritans, whom Peter and John confirmed, had already been baptized by Philip, according to Acts 7, 14, and 18. Saints Paul and John make frequent references to confirmation in such places as 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, Ephesians 1, 13, Titus 3, 5, and 1 John 2, 20 and 27. The apostles certainly wouldn't have confirmed the faithful by a distinct right after baptism unless they had received it from Christ. The ordinary minister of confirmation is the local bishop, but priests may also confirm when duly authorized by the bishop under certain circumstances. For example, in case of an emergency such as an impending death or in institutional situations such as prison and hospitals, confirmation must be received only by baptized persons and only in the state of grace. To not be in a state of grace when confirmed is a grave sin of sacrilege. The sacrament of confirmation gives us several serious but delightful obligations. Many people believe that once they're confirmed, they've done all they need to do and learned all they need to learn. That couldn't be further from the truth. The fact is, we're obligated to study the faith for our confirmation, be confirmed, then continue our studies for the rest of our lives. That doesn't mean you have to become some sort of Catholic scholar, but continued study is required. I'm one who prefers to advance my studies by reading books, but others do perfectly well by reading good Catholic periodicals, listening to audios, and watching videos. You may have noticed in recent years that our bishops have been making a strong effort in implementing the new evangelization called for by St. John Paul II. There's a reason for that. One of the biggest obligations we have as recipients of confirmation is that we're to evangelize non-Catholics. Prior to Vatican II, evangelization was left largely to the efforts of priests and religious sisters. Vatican II reminded us that all Catholics are obligated to evangelize. 
It was a real eye-opener for the laity, and the bishops are helping even more to open our eyes to that fact. Evangelization doesn't mean we have to stand on street corners and preach to passers-by. Neither does it mean we have to corner folks we know and hammer away at them. Indeed, most folks feel that we should stay away from controversial subjects, and I fully agree. That's why I never discuss organized sports or soap operas, but religion and politics are wide open for discussion. Why? Because these topics deal with elements of truth, and truth is never controversial. Truth can bring out emotion in a lot of people, but that isn't because it's controversial, rather because some people don't want to accept the truth. Blessed Fulton Sheen defined truth as conformity of the mind to reality. In other words, subjective opinion doesn't determine truth, but rather it's determined by objective reality. When someone says to me that what's true for one person isn't necessarily true for another person, I'm tempted to hand him a Bill Ingvall sign because that statement doesn't even make any sense. Let's say you're standing on top of a 40-story building and shout, I don't believe in gravity. Then you jump off the roof. Your subjective opinion that gravity doesn't work in no way changes the objective reality that it does work, and your mind will conform to reality sometime between the time you jump and the time you land. Is gravity a controversial subject? No, but I suspect for the guy falling, it's indeed an emotional one. So truth isn't controversial, but it can be emotional. Therefore, when talking about religion, the way to keep conversation calm is to be calm yourself. It's been my experience that when people aren't calm, it's because they aren't sure of their subject. The best way to remain calm and collected during such a discussion is to know what you're talking about, and that's done by obeying the church's confirmational mandate to study our faith. Of course, that's the purpose of Catholicism 101. Can you see yourself making converts? Very few books have ever been written to teach the mechanics of practical Catholic evangelization, something all Catholics are obliged to do. Of the books available, none teach you a step-by-step method for actually cultivating an inquirer, then taking that inquirer all the way to the baptismal font. Until now, nobody is more qualified to teach Catholic evangelization than Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Joe Sixpack has made hundreds of converts since 1988 in small group and one-on-one venues, and 84 of them are his adult godchildren. Consequently, Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, is a virtual treasure trove of how-to resources for evangelization. In the Lay Evangelist's Handbook, Joe Sixpack will show you how to become one of God's rock stars of evangelization, what the two primary obligations are for all Catholics that most people don't know how to begin the journey to becoming a saint, the actual mechanics of productive evangelization, the dangers of nice Catholicism, how to hear God laugh, what to do step-by-step to win over a convert, and much, much more. Get your copy of the Lay Evangelist's Handbook by Joe Sixpack, The Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. 
A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas. He said, Catholics, please vote with a well-formed conscience and choose candidates who respect life, morality, marriage, family, and our basic freedoms. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. There are many species of snakes in India, and a lot of them are poisonous. The people there have to always be on their guard. A poor little girl lived with her mother in a bamboo hut. The girl's name was Miru. One day, Miru went into the bedroom of her little hut to get some cloth for her mother, who was sewing in the kitchen. As Miru was reaching into the cabinet, she felt something soft wrapping itself around her bare ankle. She looked down and saw a large poisonous snake. She screamed with fear, Mother, help me! Her mother rushed into the room and took the situation in with a glance. Don't move, Miru. I'll help you. Miru stood there pale and trembling as her mother put her arm around her daughter's waist and then pressed her heel against the head of the snake as it rested on the floor. Then she put all of her weight on that foot until slowly the body of the snake unraveled itself from the girl's slender leg and finally stiffened in death. The mother had suffocated it. If the snake had bitten Miru, its poison would have killed her. The first thing the girl thought was to call for her mother. The devil, in the form of a snake, tempted Eve as she sinned. The devil often tempts you. If you commit mortal sin, he kills your soul with his poison. As soon as you're tempted, say, Mother Mary, help me. The Blessed Virgin Mary will conquer the devil as she crushed his head by giving us Jesus who saved us on the cross. That's why God said to the serpent in the Garden of Eden, I shall put enmity between you and the woman. She shall crush your head. Help your fellow Catholics, six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.